0: get early access to Macy's Black Friday specials on gifts they'll love at prices you will too. Now while supplies last, like 40 to 50% off boots and shoes for him and for her, sweaters for him and her, just 24 dollars and 60% off holiday decor, hosting essentials and so much more. Plus download the free app for more Black Friday deals at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply.
2: We're going to talk about psychedelics. We're definitely going to talk about it.
1: My favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) Okay. Why
2: is it your favorite thing to talk about? I'd love to know that first.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been such an incredible force in my life and I've seen it have really big changes in other people's lives as well. And I'm just so passionate about how much change that it can influence in our world.
2: So how did you get introduced to it? Like, how did you this become a force in your life?
1: Yeah, so a little bit of a crazy story. I went to a boarding arts high school. So psychedelics were, you know, artsy, kind of angsty teen community, um, and psychedelics were certainly present. So the first time I took LSD was my senior year of high school, and I actually ended up getting lost in the woods during a snowstorm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit wild. Um, I definitely had just a really traumatic uh, upbringing. And so I just found so much healing through these medicines. And, you know, after that kind of crazy experience, uh, I worked with psychedelics more in a recreational capacity for a while. And then uh, a couple years ago, I started to see it really as a medicine and it was so healing for my PTSD. And I just, when I find interest in something, anything, um, I just go down a rabbit hole of research and want to know everything about it, read everything, talk to people. And it just became something I was really passionate about because of how healing it can be for people.
2: So you had the experience and then you really dove into all the information. That's what yeah, it so
1: like. I came, I know some people, especially in our emerging industry, have come at it from like reading articles about the benefits and uh, then going into it. For me, it was very much learning from the medicines, which is a little bit more of like a traditional shaman's exploration of it. That's generally they how they learn about the medicines is just by going into it and experiencing it, which is also how the researchers and doctors in the beginning of psychedelic research back in the 50s and 60s uh, learned from it as well. They would just do it. And that was how they were, you know, starting to form conclusions about these compounds that no one really knew anything about.
2: You know, what's interesting about that is, um, I know about that too, but it seems like they're at now, like clinicians and stuff, they're told not to be. Yeah. Uh, people who actually have the experience and then learn through that which you know I have very mixed feelings about that I feel like doing it it's hard to even harness to understand this without having the experience
1: it's absolutely so important and one of the things that I really admire about the part of the community that's more on the kind of shamanic spiritual side about it is there's this idea that if you are helping other people heal you need to be doing your own work as well because we all have you know room for growth right every single person on this planet and so if you're not doing that growth work for yourself how are you supposed to help other people which is why i think that it is so important for any kind of clinician to have their own experiences with this.
2: Most definitely. So you, so you write about this Mm -hmm. a lot in the research. What is your, what have you discovered through your writing about this?
1: Yeah, so one of my really big driving forces in my writing is bringing together these two sides of the psychedelic industry. Like I was talking about the more spiritual shamanic side, and then we have this, you know, drug development side. And so I have seen this really big divide between a bunch of people who all just want to help people. And so I think that my i really just want to bring people together and bring perspective to both sides bring understanding so that we can all work together and it's really interesting to see this growing psychedelic industry and a lot of people are like, okay, we wanna create a new kind of healthcare. Cause right with psychedelics, it's not like your traditional SSRIs and anxiety medications where you have to take it every day. The goal is to take it a few times and then to not have to take it anymore. And our healthcare system is not designed for that, right? Pharmaceutical companies want you to keep paying for the medication. And so you have some people in this industry who are really trying to use psychedelics to change that healthcare model. And then some who are saying, okay, we're just going to kind of try and integrate it. But psychedelics give us You know, so much empathy and feeling of oneness, which is very vacant from our healthcare system. And also, you know, this idea that a person is not just the symptoms, but what is the root cause? And so it's really interesting to follow along in these beginning stages to see if we can change that mindset in clinicians and doctors of really treating the root cause. And from that, you can heal so many different symptoms
2: it was it's interesting, how do you see these two sides coming together because in one side is a it actually there's kind of the the dirty s word that maybe like researchers don't want to talk about, which is the spiritual angle of psychedelics honestly, if you've never done it, there's a massive spiritual angle to it. I don't even know how you don't receive that aspect of it. that's my opinion, speculation, but how do you get kind of the spiritual side? and the kind of pharmaceutical side together to live together?
1: I think a big part of it is people doing it. Um, People on that side who kind of reject that. Um, And, you know, it's kind of just a, it's a wrestling match a little bit. um, Is this push and pull and resistance and, I think at the root of it is people just talking and understanding because everyone has such different perspectives just based on what their experiences in yeah. life has been. And so I think that's the biggest thing we can do is just hearing from different people. And that's really what I try to do with my work, you know, talking to the CEOs of these big psychedelic drug development companies and then also talking to the shamans and sharing their knowledge and trying to put it in a way a phrase it in a way where other people can understand where they're coming from
2: so this is interesting it makes me think like in anything that's emerging there's always individuals who see the emergence as a way to capitalize on it yeah. or in a sense like Psychedelics in many ways is being put under the wellness umbrella. Mm-hmm. Right. And we know that when you get into the area of wellness, there's a lot of fraudulent or sales, snake oil salespeople. How do we navigate that? Or is that just inevitable within this climate?
1: I think it's inevitable. And I would also say that it's not just within the pharmaceutical side of things. You see with a lot of You know, kind of self proclaimed shamans, um, claiming that they have this miracle when they're just really not qualified to be leading, uh, people through these experiences. And I saw that a lot when I spent some extended time in Peru studying the native cultures that use these medicines. And there are a lot of people there as well who just aren't qualified to be helping people. And so I think that's, you know, that's the issue of greed, right? Uh, that is never going to fully go away, but we can form these communities where we really care about each other and we care about safety and wellness and teach people that way. And I think that it's important to remember that, yes, we want to make these, you know, broad scale changes, but it starts with one person. Um, And each person who has, goes down this new path of understanding wellness is going to bring it to more people. And that's how we, you know, scale up broad change.
2: Speaking of change, I think this is actually pretty, um, um, it's the timing is right to discuss this. I think I wish we we're in an election cycle right now. Yeah. And we know like in Colorado there is a ballot measure and decriminalizing mm-hmm. uh, psychedelics. Last I saw it was a yes. Maybe we're not right. there. I don't know. Yeah. You, you probably know more about this, but we know Oregon has done this. Mm-hmm. On that, what does your research into that tell you about where this is headed?
1: Yeah, so it's actually really interesting, um, and I haven't looked at the results yet, but I have written an article on uh, both Colorado and Oregon, and it's really interesting. They both have some uh, words in place within uh, these proposals that make it so that it really stays with locals, it stays kind of small and these big corporations aren't able to come in and monopolize everything. So they both have provisions in there that restrict the amount of clinics that one company can have. Um, in Oregon, any company related to psilocybin can fifty um, percent of the financial interest has to be with a Oregon resident. So they have to work with these locals. They're you know, putting a lot of focus on keeping costs low so that you know, more people can access it.
2: Yeah, I think that um, it's interesting in looking at this because they see these two states where they are making this progress. This seems like huge progress, actually, in this area. And if it passes in Colorado and it looks like currently right now we're towards that, mm-hmm. yes. What does your writing or research tell you where this may be expanding next?
1: That's a good question. So at this point, Point, I think a lot of states are waiting to see how things play out in Oregon and Colorado. Um, and 2023 is going to be really exciting because uh, Oregon passed it in 2020, but they're not uh, implementing it until January is when they start taking applications and people can start building their businesses. Um, and there's no blueprint for this. <laughs> um, it, they're completely making it up. And so I think a lot of states are waiting to see how it goes there um, and then, of course, to see how it goes in Colorado to start bringing it forward, I think we'll see sort of the same path that we saw with cannabis with states like California and Washington. Uh, both of those states have had some talks about introducing something like this, um, although nothing has passed yet. Um, so I think it's a little bit interesting with cannabis. We saw, you know, medical legalization started really early in the two thousands and then recreational didn't really happen until about, you know, 16 years later, I think is when it kind of started rolling out. And with this, we're going to see it happening a little bit faster Mm. and the side of medical, which is our pharmaceutical companies. And then of course, these legalizations are still medical um, based, but we'll see that kind of sliding together a little bit faster than we did with cannabis.
2: It seems like it's picking up steam much quicker. And I think it's also maybe part of there have been some um, public figures who have supported it, and in particular Michael Pollan, I, it feels like he is part of a large inflection point in this mm-hmm. because it's almost the responsibility of well people in many ways bringing to light that this is happening and that this has actually changed them significantly mm-hmm. in their lives for that. So I wonder, and I've asked those other people, how important are the messengers of this of this cause? And the messages? Because in a lot of industries, a lot of messages get put out, and it kind of destroys the product. What does the message need to be for psychedelics for it to gain a larger scalable uh, aspect?
1: Yeah, so the message needs to be that this is a solution to problems that we don't have other really strong solutions for. And I think that one of the reasons that this is moving along so fast is the rise of mental health issues, especially in our children. And that is something that lawmakers and parents, um, and just society as a whole can't ignore. We have so many children on antidepressants and anti-anxiety and ADHD medications that are really incredibly harmful and addictive. Um, and so we have this problem that is just growing exponentially and it's gotten really out of hand. And if it continues in the direction that it's been going, uh, there's, going to be really huge consequences there already has been and so that i think is a big part of why this is gaining steam so fast
2: you know you talked about the qualifications what what how how do you build the proper credentialing or qualifications for someone to administer this in the space from what you've seen
1: yeah absolutely um It's, I mean, for one, like we talked about, you, you need to do it. You need to understand the medicines. And I think a big part of it is understanding that you can't project your views and realities onto someone else's experience. And that's an issue that we even see with traditional therapists. um, And that with psychedelics, that just magnifies Um, and it can be really, really harmful Um And just letting go of your, as a practitioner, letting go of your own preconceptions and really letting that person lead the way. There's a lot of talk about, you know, wanting to overcome what has coined the name bad trips. And that's a really important part of these psychedelic experiences. I would say even the most important part for me, and I know a lot of other people um, who would say that, because as a society, we have gotten to this place where we want to avoid uncomfortable basis, we're going to grab anything that offers us, you know, instant release. And that's why there's so much addiction, whether it be drugs, uh, illicit drugs, or drugs like benzodiazepines, uh, which are commonly prescribed for anxiety. Some people go for food. It's a societal issue that we avoid these uncomfortable places when those that discomfort is where this growth and overcoming happens. And so it's really important to embrace that.
2: Can you talk a little bit about how we've gotten to this point where psychedelics have been cast as a schedule one drug, essentially with other crazy things and along with cannabis and like, there was a tremendous amount of research being done uh, by a lot of incredible people in the 60s, 70s, and then that stopped. Can you talk why that stopped and how that has moved forward now? I think that's important to understand the history of it.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I think that the it's important to say that the reason that these became schedule one drugs is part of the reason that they're reemerging right now, right? We saw back in the 60s and 70s, all of these young people taking psychedelics, and all of a sudden, not wanting to function the way that society wanted them to function, right? And Nixon particularly saw this as a really big threat to the fabric of American society and so that's where it became illegal and they started spreading all these lies that they were really dangerous and now we've gotten to a point where people are like oh no we we need change in society this isn't working people are sick and angry and unhappy and we need those changes so it's kind of cool to see that the reason that they did become Schedule One drugs. Is sort of what's driving them to become legal again.
2: Is it? You know, funny is interesting about that. Almost kind of that counterculture movement back in the day. They were onto something. They they felt that mm-hmm. life could be lived differently, but it was still a time where it was almost kind of your your mother and father's 50s, 60s. People were in very set roles in their life. And there was a pushback against that, like, hey, actually, life, you could be an artist. You don't have to go and do this thing or that thing. And it's like we've we just delayed the inevitable awakening of people's ideas about that. We just delayed it over time.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the big problems with that was Timothy Leary and his idea of like, tune in and drop out, right? And what we're seeing now is instead of like, oh, drop out from society, once you have these ideas and have these experiences, people are actually dropping into society and saying, okay, like, how can I be a productive member of society in a different way than you know, people see what you're supposed to do for society. And it's really interesting now, instead of people saying, okay, I'm just going to go live on a commune with some hippies. <laughs> they're like, all right, I really want to make some change. How can I bring my art into society? Which is really what I've done with writing. And I've talked to a lot of people who have had this same experience. Um, you know, I have a friend who I met in Peru who is uh execu- executive executive and, uh, international business. And he had these amazing experiences and he talked about bringing it back and still working within his space, but in, but in changing the way he does that to really help build good company culture within his work instead of just saying, all right, like I have these new ideas. I'm going to go run off and do whatever, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. So when you talk to people, like you said, you're talking to CEOs and different people and shamans. is. <laughs> What are the differences in those discussions that are like highlighted very large to you that maybe demonstrates there's a gap here that we need to kind of close?
1: Yeah, so it's the macro versus micro vision of something. Uh, These healers and these shamans are very much focused with the people that they're interacting with and their immediate community, which if you look at how these communities are built, these shamans are healers for their small communities, usually of, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred people, whereas these CEOs are looking at this macro economy and how can we you know, bring something and make lots of money. So it's just about bringing, making them both realize the other perspective because they're both valid. They're just looking at different things.
2: So how is this, as you've researched this, you had a a very interesting getting lost in the woods first experience. I mean, part of me was like, how did you figure out how to get out of there? I was like, but... um, (laughs) How is your, since you had that experience to maybe current experiences, how has that changed you over time?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've actually done a lot of experiences similar to that, not getting lost, and I was a little bit safer, Um, but it's, it's not for everyone. But I think there's something really profound about putting yourself in intense situations with psychedelics it's not for everyone you know the more clinical side you're in a bed you have soothing music and an eye mask and you have therapists there so you're safe and for a lot of people that's what they need to feel comfortable um for those who are you know a little bit more want to get out there and push their boundaries and their limits and see what they can accomplish Uh, those experiences are really amazing. So I've had a few like that when I was in Peru, I did a San Pedro ceremony where we hiked an 18,000 foot mountain in sub-zero temperatures in a blizzard and camped on top of this mountain. Um, so these experiences are really powerful and it's all about set and setting. You hear this term a lot in psychedelics, how you're doing it, who you're doing it with is going to have a really a uh, big influence on your experience. And it's about what's f- finding what's best for you. Um, these experiences where I'm going really far and really just don't have a choice, but to sit and work through whatever it is I need to work through has been the way for me. For some people, they need something more gentle, uh, you know, a f- more fancy resort style or clinical style. So there's so many different options and so many different psychedelics. Um, it just really depends on what a person needs. And that's so, what's so wonderful about this? It can be so personalized. So there's something for everyone. I mean,
2: what happened during this, this hike? I gotta know, like, what was, the, I got to know this story. You gotta tell this. <laughs>
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm happy to tell it. I do have a full, like, written out story, like 10,000 words of it if people want to, um, go more into all the little details because we could spend the rest of the time talking about this. Um, so I actually, I used to be a personal trainer. Um, Up until January, when I went to Peru for a two-week ayahuasca dieta, that's a whole nother story. Um, But I ended up staying in Peru for six weeks and just seeing where it took me. And I ended up in this really rural community with a medicine worker from Colombia. And there were, it was him, me, and two other guys. Um, And San Pedro, for those who don't know, is a cactus with mescaline in it. So it's kind of the Peruvian version um, of peyote. Um, And it's a masculine plant. So things like mushrooms and ayahuasca are going to be your feminine, where you're working with spirit, intuition, emotion. Um, And this is very much about grounding and connecting to the earth and your center and your logic.
0: AT&T Fiber presents a straightforward moment inspired by straightforward pricing. And now we just cube the pancetta as such. So what's on the menu tonight? This carbonara I found online is fire. you going to love it, mom. I hope you hold on to this AT&T Fiber, son. It's nice. Yeah, you should settle down now that you're a good billionaire. Oh, I am. I finally found the one internet I've been looking for my whole life. So, no more one-year stands? Nah, I'm done with all that. With AT&T Fiber, there's no price increase at 12 months. Uh, What about equipment fees? Nerp. Those were never any good for you. Exactly. But now, everything's completely straightforward. Well, in the spirit of being straightforward, I never liked any of your old ones. Me neither. Y'all never told me that. But we're being straightforward now, which feels good, yeah? Yeah. Now let's get straightforward about that girl he's been seeing. Straightforward is better. No equipment fees, no data caps, no price increase at 12 months. Live like a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ACT.com hypergig for details. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and roles for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read, Read in just thirty days, guaranteed, and right now you can get started for just one dollar. Text the word "grade" to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than twenty minutes a day. For more than thirty years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text "grade" to 323232 and teach your child to read in just thirty days, guaranteed. Text "grade" to 323232 right now and get started for just one dollar. Text "grade" to 32. Thirty-two thirty-two. now text grade to 32 32 duncan's new pancake wake-up wrap is a savory and sweet combo of crisp bacon melty cheese and fluffy eggs wrapped in a warm pancake hold it in one hand with a holiday blend coffee in the other perfect for holiday makers on the go
1: america runs on duncan price and participation may vary limited time offer terms apply um and so we were gonna hike this mountain and i got up in the morning and it was snowing like crazy so I go to my friend, I'm like, okay, we're not doing this, right? Like, <laughs> this is canceled. Um, and he gives me this look like, you wimp? Like, no, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we climb this mountain, we take the mescaline um, about 30 minutes before we get to the base of this mountain, because we had to hike out through some hills to get there. And with a traditional San Pedro ceremony, you don't eat or drink anything all day. And you just take this, uh, Wachuma is what it's called. It's a drink made out of the cactus. And there's this point in time before you really are launched into the psychedelic experience where you're kind of delirious. And so I'm walking up this mountain in this snowstorm. And like, my head is just all over the place. I'm like, just focused on one foot after another, just trying to get myself up this mountain. And it's so cold. And I did not have proper clothing and equipment. Um, and it just really made me realize that whatever you put your mind to, you can accomplish. And that's, I think, so important, especially with the society where we kind of cower at our challenges and our pain, and we want to retract into ourselves and not face the world. And it's so important to just keep moving forward and to realize that your mind is really the ultimate control. I mean, I was so cold and then I decided I wasn't going to be cold and it was negative 10 degrees and I wasn't cold. <laughs> um, And it's it was just really a lesson on how powerful the mind is, which I think is not, very much taken for granted. We we don't realize as a society how much power we hold just with our willpower.
2: Man, I, I bet there's more to that story, Charlie. <laughs> I bet there's more to that story. There's,
1: there's- There is definitely a lot more. Um, Like I said, I could talk for the whole rest of the time on it. Um, I do definitely encourage you if you want to hear the whole story. um, I have links on my LinkedIn and my uh, Instagram for anyone who wants to read the whole thing. It's just about coming to terms with emotion and the things that I really hated about society and that I was kind of resentful of. Um, especially as a woman and I was living in San Francisco before I went to go do this. There was a lot of times I felt unsafe um, at clubs, you know, guys approaching me or trying to drug me. And I had it in my head of like this victim mentality. Right. And it was shifting to that's the way the world is. And I'm going to decide how I want to live my life. I'm going to live happy and purposeful. I'm not going to let the world dictate how I feel and what I do.
2: That's awesome. We got to put a link into that uh, in the show notes to read that. I want to read it, but I'm, I'm sure a lot That's of the insane. audience and uh, we've we tagged this with tons of people in the psychedelic space. So I, I think it's always great to hear other people's stories. And my my last trip was like two months ago. And it, we were definitely not on a mountain, man. I could you that right now. We're in my front yard. And it was amazing. Oh. Nine hours of me like laughing as hard as any human has ever laughed crying as hard as anybody has ever cried and then eating some great food (laughs) later on, man. It's unbelievable. The highs and And lows are unbelievable.
1: Yeah, they're all valuable. I've definitely had experiences like that as well and you get different things. And so I think it's important to change up your set and setting and try different things because you do get... something different from everything and experiences like that, where you're with friends um, and you get that connection with community and you just get to laugh and be childish and playful. That's such an important lesson too.
2: It it is an important lesson. Like the first time I ever did it, I was in the desert with a guide and it was deeply profound and very earth bonding for me. And like, in this time was very much like, it was just hilarious most of the time. And I just, I just love that. But it was like almost this um, delirious. When you said delirious, I felt that so much. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't control my body. Like it was just like really like whoa. Like I'm in an I'm. And then I kept thinking, what, am I ever not gonna feel like this? Like it was just like all over the place. So I think you're right. The set and setting creates different experiences, different feelings. But when you're talking to people about this, I want to know. What's the resistance that you've received when discussing this with different people?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's fear mostly. Um, and psychedelics can be scary. They're teaching you lessons. That's what I always say. Like it's not a drug where it says, you know, I'm take this and you're gonna feel better. It's you know, and they call ayahuasca grandmother and San Pedro grandfather, these are teachers and they're teaching you lessons. And a lot of people will go into these really intense spaces where maybe they think they're going to die or their outside world just fades away into some vision and they think, am I ever going to come back to reality? Um, And so there's a lot of fear. And I urge people to be courageous and to just let that go, and to move forward, knowing that it's gonna give them something really important, and that even though their life is gonna change, that's okay um and as a society we're afraid of change and it can be scary because it's unknown and as a you know primal instinct that humans have we we want what's familiar because we know that's safe and that we're going to keep living and that we're going to be okay and psychedelics one of the big lessons that they teach us is you know change is okay and even if you feel safe in your current environment there might be something better ahead You can be happier and more filled and i think a lot of people are afraid of that and that's why you see a lot of people in jobs that make them really unhappy and relationships or just so many different situations that they're really profoundly unhappy in but it's comfortable it's familiar and so they refuse to move forward into something new
2: yeah. And is there a control? You think there's a control factor to that as well? I've seen that with people. I feel like this yeah. is like, I want to control the situation. I want to be able to t- take it where I want it to take it and not allow it to take me where it wants to take it.
1: Yes, absolutely. We want to control our environment. It goes back to that just primal instinct for control. But I think a big thing is realizing that we actually have very little control. Uh, No matter how hard you try, there's most of our lives we don't have control over. And so there's so much power in realizing that and saying, okay, I can control. What can I control? I can control how I feel. I can control the actions that I take, the words that I speak. And that's about it. So I'm going to choose to control that and be happy and rendered to the universe and that's really hard for a lot of people. It's certainly been hard for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm i definitely someone who maybe if you talk to me about 10 years ago, I would be like psychedelics. I don't think so. Like I had the same ideas a lot of people have. This is bad. Mm-hmm. This is illegal type of thing. And but, you know, I didn't I didn't question things like I do now. I wasn't as curious as I am now. And I think sometimes people don't want to be curious because they're afraid of what they'll find when they're curious. And psychedelics, man, you find a lot (laughs) when you when you actually go into it, you find so much that is like so groundbreaking. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a lot of what is the silo mentality in our society is we just don't want to see what else is out there.
1: Yeah. Because within these experiences, you know, we think you're going to have visions, you're going to see things that aren't reality. But when we come out of these experiences, one of the things that it does is it sheds our preconceptions of our reality, which a lot of those are not not true. They're simply incorrect. They're things that we've been taught are the way that the world works and they're not necessarily true and coming out of psychedelics with that mind to be curious and to explore a lot of times people actually start seeing more truth
2: yeah isn't that fascinating i mean when you allow yourself to be open to something it creates this enlightenment about what's the what is the reality the truth of things for that yeah how do you pick the things you want to write about in this space how do you like it how does that happen for you?
1: Yeah, so it's really about my curiosity. Um, I've always been a big researcher, and before I started writing, I would just do it for myself. Um, and I have a really critical eye where I can see something written or someone talk about something, and I'm like, I don't know if that's the whole. Sp- story i want to show people the whole picture and new perspectives and ask questions that aren't being asked and so i i just pinpoint those things that are i think are really important for people to talk about to understand and to think about and uh take that as a jumping off point
2: has there ever been a piece that you've written that was maybe your most critical about the industry of psychedelics and where it's headed
1: yeah. So I actually a piece that I am working on today um, is, you know, I I try not to be critical in like an attack um, because there are, you know, valid positions and there are wrong positions on all sides. And so I try and rather than saying this is wrong, this is wrong, say, OK, this piece is really great. But this is an issue. And there's a solution over here. And to pull together those solutions, um, rather than just saying, you know, all of this is wrong, you shouldn't believe it. Well, what's right? How can we solve this problem together? Um, and so I try and focus on that.
2: I mean, that's that's an interesting way of doing it, because I feel like a lot of uh, media based things are about like, clickbait headlines this is wrong why you shouldn't do this the best of this type of thing it was interesting to have that perspective when writing about it i would think it's it's a different perspective
1: yes absolutely and i think that it's one that the world would be such a better place if more people had that there's so much division where it's us versus them And that's just not necessary. And I actually had this really profound moment at the beginning of COVID. I grew up in California in an environment where we were very liberal and anyone who disagreed with us, they were wrong. They were not as intelligent as us. They were people who didn't care about other people. They didn't have empathy. They were hateful people. And I went up to Montana and I was expecting all the things that I had heard about these red areas. And I was like, wow these people are so nice, just some of the kindest, loving people, respectful. Um, and I'm actually right now on a cross country road trip, um, exploring that idea yeah. of, you know, everyone is different in every city I go to, and every state I go to, people are so different, they have different perspectives, and they're all valid. And it's important to understand other people and see that we're more similar than we are different.
2: Most definitely. I've said this to other people. I mean, I grew up in a military family, so I've lived overseas. I've lived in almost every part of the United States. And Mm -hmm. the majority of people I've met are amazing people. They're like really good humans. What you're being told is not that. But I can tell you that's false. Most people are like amazing people. I was just telling a buddy of mine, I've I've been alive for 44 years. I've met maybe two people I thought were bad people like Mm -hmm. that's that's a pretty low percentage. (laughs) <laughs> in that amount of time, right? I mean, there are some people it's like, wow, this isn't good. But overwhelmingly, most people are just they're just awesome people. And I think you but again, this if you're in this cycle and you never see other things and that's part yeah. of the psychedelic thing. If you only been told that this is bad and you never questioned if what you were told was true, you're just going to go. Sure. This is bad type of yeah. thing. And I feel like there's that's why I think it's a responsibility of people who are very much into psychedelics to get out there and talk about it. Like if you wanted to, if the thing you love, you want it to be bigger, you need to get out there and talk about it, like not just be in a silo with other people who love it themselves,
1: you know? Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've loved about traveling is I get to talk to tons of people about it and yeah it's just about talking to people there uh is a story that comes to mind that was circulating the internet a few years ago where a black man was going and talking to kkk members and he got like hundreds of them to change their mind about people of color and it's just speaks to the power of like talk to people like yeah that person who thinks that black people are bad has never met a black person. They don't realize that they're just a person. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's so important to just talk to people and hear people's stories. And when you do that, you realize that you're, you're similar. You're more similar yeah. than you are different.
2: I know that story very well. I've listened yeah. to that gentleman. I can't remember his last name, maybe Davis or, uh, but uh, he's an awesome dude and very spiritual guy. Yeah. And like when he would go on these bars and he would spend time with kkk members i just love the part of it was like he especially this one guy he met with so many times and had drinks with them the guy just couldn't bring himself to be a prejudice against black people anymore it's like i've seen something different than what i was told like mm-hmm. that's you can bring that to a lot of different situations in life yeah, I and mean, so that was me about absolutely. psychedelics I
1: think, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that's a really important point that you know, if someone is prejudiced against you, rather than saying, okay, well, then you suck, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to them. Um, and try to bridge that gap. Um, it is the responsibility, you know, it sh- it shouldn't be our responsibility, right, to change the mind of someone who is prejudiced against us, or maybe has an incorrect view. Um, but, that's reality (laughs) you you know there's a little bit of this whiny child culture (laughs) where we're like I don't like that that's wrong I disagree with that like I'm the victim right we have such a victim mentality as a society and you know the world's going to be the way it's going to be and if you you want it to be different then you have to say I'm not a victim I'm going to change this
2: yeah I mean it's I encounter all the people all the time who I when, I when I'm working with them, I train them and they'll say, I hate religion. There's nothing good about religion. And I'm like, well, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I've actually had a very positive experience my entire life. I'm not saying that your ideas are unfounded. There's a lot of bad stuff. But, you know, there are good experiences, too. And maybe you need to know people who have had good experiences also before demonizing it completely for that again same with psychedelics (laughs) it's like i've told my parents about it i've told friends clients and they probably think i'm the last person i was talking to my brother the other day and he was like man you got me into this with psychedelics and he was like man growing up with you i would have thought you were the last human to ever do anything like this ever
1: Mm -hmm. but
2: that that's the change that could happen in people if you allow it to be and you get curious you know
1: yeah curiosity it uh it doesn't kill the cat
2: that's a strange thing curiosity killed the cat who came up with that by the way
1: <laughs> I know it's a really weird saying uh maybe someone who didn't want people to be curious <laughs> I know,
2: it's like what is the cat reference to it though <laughs> like, <what is> <laughs> like i question stuff like i told maybe you know this i really don't but like i was talking to somebody and i was like you know driving at sixteen why is it 16? Mm-hmm. Who came up with that? Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly don't know. But I honestly never questioned that to like a year ago. I was like, does anybody know why this is the age? And no one could tell me why. <laughs> like, we just accept it. I don't know. It's like, there's a lot of things in life like that, by the way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's just the way it is. So we accept it. And that's one of the great things about psychedelics is it starts to get you questioning, you know, from things like that to like, why, why am I wearing this? Why do I have this job? Uh, why do I enter into relationships like this? Why do I view this this way? Um, there's so many things that we can question. And it's a really difficult but powerful experience as adults to start to be conscious about how we view things and say, is this something that I was told? I should see this way. And so that's why I do it. Is this actually how I want to view the world and how I want to live my life? And I always say it's like we're reparenting ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, parents are there when we're children to teach us about the world and ourselves and to cultivate growth. And a lot of us didn't get that through no fault of our parents. That's how they were raised and they didn't question it. Um, and now we get to repair ourselves. We get to say, okay, you know, what do I want to cultivate in myself, my view of the world? How do I want to see myself, other people? And we just get to completely recreate that, which is really fun.
2: So I'm interested, like, how are you how has this medicine changed you? How do you show up in the world regularly have integrated yourself into the world regularly with this practice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a big part of it is not being as fearful. Um, So I, I left home when I was 14, I was on my own. And so it was always, you know, trying to survive. And I got to a point where I was a personal trainer I was working four hours a day making six figures. I had, you know, a one-bedroom apartment and a nice area of San Francisco. Like, based on my view of what I thought my life should be, that was it. But I was so unhappy. And so it's really made me look at, okay, what is going to make me happy? And I think I always... See it as this kind of thin but really strong thread that is weaved into my core, and it's trying to pull me in the direction that I'm meant to go. And I think we all have this. And when we're not following that pull, we are filled with things like anxiety and depression. And through psychedelics, I've really turned towards that pull and said, "Okay, maybe this is scary because I don't know what's going to happen. It's new, Uh, but..." It every time I do go in that direction, I'm just happier, um, and that's what life should be, right? Enjoying experiences, happiness. I mean, obviously, there's a range of emotions, and it's also about suffering and about pain. But if you're not enjoying the life you're living, the, what's the point, really? <laughs> yeah
2: i I am totally with you, Charlie, on this. I mean, how often do people get stuck in a wheel of living? And it's just an existence. It's one long day leading to the end of the day and nothing really happened during that time. And you've got to honor the pull you have. To, and everybody feels that pull at, you know, you ever talk to a friend or someone and they're like, yeah, I'm not feeling. I feel like I should move or I feel like I should do something different in my life. And every time somebody tells me that, I'm like, that is the monster in the room. That thing is going to get bigger and bigger you gotta honor that you gotta you gotta dive or else that's just gonna keep sitting with you it's gonna make you feel horrible if you don't do anything about it
1: yeah absolutely one of my favorite uh pieces of advice that anyone has ever given me is you live between your ears and if you don't enjoy being there then life's not very good and i think that was such a beautiful point because a lot of times we get so focused on What do other people expect of me? What do other people want me to look like and dress like and act like that person doesn't have to spend, you know, every second of like 80 to 100 years with you, you do. (laughs) So if you don't enjoy spending time with yourself and, you know, being with yourself throughout this life, then why is it important that you impress other people? Like, is, does it really have any value towards you? No. No.
2: I could tell you've been taking psychedelics. <laughs> you talk to you talk, you talk a way that I talk to people about this and other people. I know it's just a different wavelength. The frequency changes. There's a different frequency in how you say and how you feel and how you approach things, you know, and that that's the frequency, whatever that frequency is for you. However, that speaks to you. I want that for people. I want them to feel free in that frequency and to honor that pull it's been a great honor speaking with you, Charlie. It really has.
1: Thank you so much. This has been really enjoyable.
2: Yeah. I will want everything
1: to talk about.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is an easy subject for me to talk about because it's just so it has blown me away. It knocked me over. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it has created so many different good decisions in my life because of my experiences with it. Mm -hmm. I want other people to know that, that that's important to know. Like, you're not going into some dungeon and you're like, oh, my gosh. And I know a lot of people are afraid of maybe who they'll become on the other side. Maybe they won't be who they are. Like, but is that so bad to be like a different enhanced version of yourself, you know, like better version maybe? And I always say
1: you're not becoming a different person. You're becoming yourself.
2: Right. Yes exactly More authentically
1: yourself
2: authentically you. So well, this authentically has been awesome please tell all the people how they can connect with you read your research your writing all that stuff
1: yeah absolutely so uh through linkedin it's uh charlie with an ey and then my last name is rose um or through uh my instagram as well i have Uh, articles through some different publications and then I also have a private community um, for those who want to get into the questions and discussions like we've gotten in today Um, so I release some really fun articles and stories through that Um, I have my story of my seven days alone in the jungle doing ayahuasca and crazy stuff like that Um, so yeah through my Instagram or LinkedIn Charlie Rose um, and I, I hope to hear from you guys.
2: Wonderful. Charlie, thank you for being on. I appreciate
1: it. Yeah, thank you. And bye to all your viewers.
2: Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner. And at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa Countdown Inflatable Special Buy only $69.98 or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic
0: started early. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX. With the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built or the ram 1500 awarded number one in driver appeal among light duty pickups by jd power three years in a row hurry into ram power days going on now for jd power 2022 u.s award information visit jdpower.com awards